0: And welcome to the Leading the Line podcast, uh, I'm your host Chris Marshall Hello. and today I'm joined by a 4 Farmington head coach Ryan McConville to discuss his path to the Angus club and how as a coach he's approaching life in lockdown whilst in charge of a squad of players. Ryan thank you very much for coming on.
1: No problem Chris, thanks for having me.
0: Um, yes, as how I've been leading a lot of these podcasts get I'm uh, recording during this time at the moment but it's something nobody really wants to talk about but you kind of have to. How's, how's life personally for you so far been in, in lockdown?
1: Well it's so slowed down, that's for sure, uh, Chris, to be fair. Uh we are in strange times at the minute. Uh again, never in my thirty five years of, of living have I witnessed something like this. I know talking to my, my grandparents and uncles and stuff, you know, they talked about the war and about about stuff like that, but never never from a, a viral infection has ever has something like this ever happened. So it's it's weird, weird times and for me on a football perspective it came at, at the wrong time because I, I definitely believed after being in in four for for almost 12 weeks i really believed that myself coaching staff and the players were were starting to gel and you know that was the unfortunate thing for me because it's one of the most hardest things as any coach will will probably agree with is is trying to get your team to jail, especially a new manager coming in, new players coming in and then trying to adapt to philosophies styles and and also the personalities of the players that you currently have at the squad and obviously the current personalities that the players that you've brought in. so it's very, very important that you try and get them to jail and and after that, you know the coaching part I feel is easy uh, if 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 the squad is harmonious and is together in a purpose.
0: Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about the kind of squad in general and how you're kind of managing that a little bit later on. But I think maybe for anybody who doesn't know you, Ryan, could you give us a little bit of background in terms of how you landed in, in Forfa at the start of this year?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I didn't ever see myself being back in the UK in 2020, if I'm honest. Um, and situations presented themselves, and some things happened uh, when I was away playing. And coaching uh, abroad. And um, circumstances led to being brought to a phone call uh, with the committee at, at Forfar. And the club that I last worked with in America was actually called Farmington FC as well. So <laughs> it's pretty ironic how it ended up. But a, a couple of phone calls later, uh, listening to the committee, and I must say, the committee are, are very passionate about about their club. It's a small club, you know, and, and the logistics, again, are, are small and the finances are small and the structures are small, but there's great people there. And once they spoke to me uh, and the circumstance, you know, it was, a, it was an ambition, obviously, to, to try and end up coaching in the future at maybe a WSL club or an SWPL club. But once they spoke to me and, and we, we, we thrashed a few things out, uh, you know, I agreed to, to come over. So it was a bit of a whirlwind. It happened in in December, one week, you know, and it just just sort of escalated from there and the circumstances meant that I had to return home. So I took the job and I, I, I knew once I took it, my friends and fellow peers and coaching coaching people that I know in the game, they were saying you're crazy because you're coming out of a a cushy number and you're going into the fire where you're favourites for relegation so I sort of I've always embraced the challenge and the clubs that I've been at are always have always embraced the challenges so this is just another challenge for me and it's something that if I can accomplish uh, it'll be one of the best achievements I've, I've done in my coaching career to date. Yeah
0: um, I mean you mentioned obviously you've come over from the USA and it's it's a nice bit of symbiosis at the fact that they're called Farmington and now you at four for Farmington. Um, <laughs> you're, you're quite well-travelled, which you've kind of hinted at already. Has there been anywhere in your travels that's kind of really stuck out in terms of somewhere that really seems to be embracing the women's game at the moment?
1: Yeah, to be fair, the, the countries that I've, I've travelled in, I've, I've coached in Russia, China, South Africa, America, Mexico. Um, you know, they've all embraced the game. And I don't know, again, I don't know about you and, and and your involvement in the women's game, but 15 years ago, whenever I got involved, you played in the park pitch, there was no interest in women's football. And then gradually, as the game went on, and things started to escalate and, you know these events started to happen and, and, and girls started to, to get recognized for their football, then that obviously took me to the different opportunities because of starting in Northern Ireland, being successful in the women's game, and then the different jobs obviously approached themselves. So going to, it was America the first time. Uh, again, America is light years ahead in girls' football grassroots I would say especially you know from U8 right through to to U19 you know and then a lot of them get lost after U19 after they play college because the population is so big so it's very few percentage play in their top leagues Um, but their grassroots work was amazing um, to be fair and if anybody's ever coached there they'll they'll know that's true. Um, South Africa was was different South Africa I worked at a college called Waterstone very big into boys and that was my job was the technical director of the boys program and the head coach of the college team but you know women's football has always been a passion of mine and, and we we introduced the women's program there unfortunately I didn't stay there and again whether it be immaturity again I like to answer the questions honest immaturity probably a bit of of greed when we won the league of the boys college league. Uh you know, I, I was on a two year contract. It was a year into my contract and I asked for more money or a better contract should I say. Uh and you know they said I had to had to see out my two years. Um, you know, and I didn't agree with that and, and went home. South Africa was the nicest place uh in regards to, to scenic. Uh it was a beautiful country, beautiful country. Um, and the football was quite good, and again, it was different. You know, it was a lot of poverty, and the college I was at was was a private college, so we had a we had a lot of facilities. Actually, Mexico during the World Cup in South Africa, Mexico actually built Waterstone College. You know, they built FIFA fields, strengthening and conditioning units, swimming pools, everything that you could name. Um, they built it, so I got the I got the the benefit of of those facilities. But when you went and played against different teams, uh, you know it was different. You know uh, they chanted, they sang coming out onto the pitch. You know one team actually brought a lamb's head to the side of the pitch and <laughs> set it beside our dugout. You know, and they spoke something in, in in Afrikaans, I think it was. And my captain actually said to me, "Coach, do you know what that? Do you know what that means?" And I was like, "No," and he was like. White Chief, you're dead. So I was like, some of these stories, you know, were were crazy. Referees coming over me. I, had, I think I had a Nike, a Nike watch on and the referee came over me before the game and says, hey coach, do you want to win this game? I was like, of course I do. You know, he says, well, if you give me your watch, I'll make sure you win the game. <laughs> so there's so many stories in South Africa that you could actually write a book upon. Uh, but it was an amazing experience and it was definitely an eye-opener uh, in regards to that. But the best technical players I've ever seen in any of the the countries that I've coached in China a bit different Um, again very sort of autocratic uh, sort of an industry so if your mum or your father was a footballer and they had kids that's what they ended up that they were going to be if they were a gymnast that's what they were going to be so again some some amazing stories there but you know you could be in three or four podcasts if you're if you're sharing all the stories but yeah, some of the countries that I've that I've coached in have been amazing and been an amazing learning curve for me. Uh but I've come out with I came out the other side, I've been successful, I haven't been successful, I've made mistakes, I've got better in the scenarios that I've been in. You know, all different pictures that have sort of moulded me as as the coach that I am now in this in the Scottish League, which, you know, is going to be one of the most competitive, um, especially with the investment made in the last few months, I guess.
0: Yeah, and you, you, it was funny that you mentioned that you could write a book about some of these stories, and as you were explaining the lambshead one, I was thinking, I'd make a great something or other further down the line. But uh, <laughs> So, uh, obviously, very well-traveled. You've seen quite a lot um, arriving in Scotland. What, what's been your take on the SWPL so far in terms of... The standards that you've seen, in kind of when you compare it with some of the the places you've been before.
1: Well, well, for me, I've only coached in four games, Chris. Uh, if I'm honest, three friendlies and, and and two, sorry, yeah, three three friendlies and two two competitive games. Um, and to be honest, we've come across some good players. Motherwell were very strong, uh, in in certain areas, and um, it was it was a very the two games that we played against them were actually very competitive. And when speaking with Eddie after both games, you know, it really depended on the team that turned up on the day that won it. Uh, the league game, I was very disappointed to lose. I don't think we deserved to win, uh, but I don't think we deserved to lose. Um, going into the League Cup game at Ravenscraig, uh, I would say Eddie would be giving the same answer that I would give in the league. Don't think he deserved to lose at all. Uh, and for the last twenty minutes, especially in the game when we were winning two-one, the last twenty minutes they fired everything at us, the kitchen sink at us. And uh, on another day, he could have got a penalty to equalise. And another day, you know our goalkeeper makes a, an important save, a brave save, you know, so he could be coming out there with it with a two-all draw. But unfortunately, football <laughs> swings in roundabouts and. I know the, the introduction of VAR and stuff, we don't have the, the luxury of that. But yeah. during the course of the season, I think those decisions usually even themselves out. Uh, so they're the two competitive games. Bur and muir we played in a friendly and they actually beat us. And we played Cove Rangers in my first friendly. And they actually beat us as well. And it was a bit of a, the alarm started to ring because I was like, wow, you know. Teams yeah. that you, you play two two divisions lower than you or one division lower, you're ex- sort of expected to beat them. Um, but we were still very much in transition and players, certain players weren't available, all stuff like that, that, that every coach sort of comes in contact with throughout the season, you know, and I just had to deal with it. But like I said, only I think it was the week before the Glasgow City game did I really get a good feeling that, okay, we're really pull, pulling it together and. Not that, that not that I would have said we would have beat Glasgow City at all, uh, but I was hoping to make an improvement on the on the results that that they got last year.
0: I remember uh, seeing some of those friendly scores coming in, and to be honest, with you, pre-seasons are a bit mad at the, at the best of times. But I've always found that uh, when women's footballs football in Scotland, they can be especially mad, and it's kind of hard to judge because, as you say, a lot of the time, lots of squads are in transition still coming up to the start of the season. But you're you're through to the quarterfinals of the SWPL Cup when it comes back. Whatever that is. Um, <laughs> uh, how 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 do you treat the SWPL Cup? Because I spoke to a few people about this and some people have said they've kind of been using it as a little bit of a, a kind of a test and learn exercise, but some people have been taking it a little bit more seriously. What was, what was your take on the tournament? Obviously kind of brand new to you. Uh, it's a new format this season, but this is a completely new tournament in total for you. How, how did you approach it?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a big I'm a big studier of the game, Chris, and you know, I watching <laughs> All the all the 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 present coaches in 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 the Scottish in the Scottish game, you know, going on the men's side and something always always stuck with me and I think it was Jose Mourinho actually his first time in, in Chelsea and you know he I think he done a, a press conference he was like every cup he treats seriously and this was in his infancy obviously and he just come into Chelsea but every coach or every cup was was an opportunity to win and for me yes while in transition. And still getting to know the players, I didn't, I haven't um, put a team out just by saying, oh, well, I'll give such and such a chance to see how she plays. A lot of the players in our team are are, are now fighting for their place. So anybody who plays 1-11, to to, to 12-18, you know, have deserved that. And I've definitely went and approached it that I want to win all the games. Now, disappointing because we lost the points against... Partic, I think, because of the the storm, yeah, it was and get of uh, destroyed. Yeah, of the storm. yeah. yeah. Uh, the weather, the weather, obviously, has played a, a bit of havoc on it. But very disappointing to 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 get a an email saying that we lost the points because we didn't contact the the, the appropriate people or or whatever. When we have players coming from Aberdeen, you know, they had to leave at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning to 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 come and get the coach to travel down to Partick and we felt their best interests. Especially there was there were signs everywhere. There was roads closed, uh, flash flooding stuff, and we had to make that decision on the on the basis of health and safety and, and and player safety as well. You know, and and that was disappointing. I must admit. So while we've only played two games, we should have really played three, um, and that was a bit hard to take, and it still is a wee bit hard to take because the decision was based on health and safety, not not to fulfil the fixture, you know, and it, it was crazy, uh, it was crazy, but, you know, to, to go back to your question, you know, I've approached the, the League Cup, and I think for the smaller teams especially, like ourselves, you know, and some bigger clubs uh, probably use it as an opportunity to play their fringe players and whatnot, Um you know, a bit of luck and you know a result here and there could could get you into a semi final or a final, and and that's something. Wise to know, we're very much underdogs, but you know, you get a wee bit of luck along the way, and and you could possibly get to a semi final or final, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think
0: that the, the SWPL, the kind of new SWPL Cup format, has got lots of pros to it. I think the. In the format in the past meant that some seeds were only getting one game and having to kind of sit in their thumbs for quite a few weeks well this kind of at least gives teams kind of two or three games uh, to kind of get into the season but uh, let's talk about Farford Farmington a little bit more um, I think it's fair to say that we uh, in the SWPL this season we have a far more international feel to the, to the division and Farford Farmington very much play a part in that um, I'm sure everybody's noticed you've got a Northern Irish accent and you've, uh, four, you've got a couple of uh, Northern Irish uh, you know Billy Simpson, uh, very notable for our, our post-gas goal, and Laura Benveniste recently as well. But you've also brought in players such as Magdalena start from Iceland and Anna Mets. Um, when you come into come into the squad, when you kind of first come in, is it a case of you do a little bit of assessing, and then how do you go about them um, kind of picking these players? And how do you get kind of in contact with players such as Magdalena to kind of say, do you want to come down to Forfa?
1: Yeah, uh, the first always always I'll go into whatever place that I'm that I'm employed to and obviously have to assess the current, the current playing staff and playing current coaching staff, you know, and, and what's, what's currently, currently there. Because in recent, or sorry, in previous, previous times, um, you know, you've went in with these big ideas and you come shooting from the hip. And once you make those rash decisions, especially when you don't know anyone uh, you haven't built a, a rapport up with any of the players or any of the coaching staff. You know those decisions usually don't end up being the best decisions that that you that you can make. So for the first four or five weeks, Chris, you know it was very much let's see what we have uh, and assess it on the training field. We had individual group meetings. We brought in sports psychologists. Um, we done all different things trying to get as much information. Out of the current crop of players that was at the club already, and then after that sort of dossier was made, it was then something that I had to address and say, right, okay, I have to fix this part of, of the club. I have to fix that part. This part's okay, you know. This part needs work, but it's it's okay. So the short-term goals were definitely to assess the current current staff, plan and coaching, um, and. In the background, obviously, then you obviously use your contacts to the players. Now, the countries that I've coached in uh, definitely have played a big part in that. America, um, America, Ireland, um, um, not so much China, South Africa. It was on the cards. There was there was players coming going to come from South Africa, but unfortunately, this new ruling. You know, Peran Metz, who played for me at the Rafter's and the WPSL. You know, she came across. And unfortunately, what a professional she was. Um, she just was a great girl. She gelled into the team. And again, whenever I sign players, I don't sign them based on their ability. I, say, I sign them based on their personalities as well, uh, and and their maturity. Uh, because I knew signing certain players I knew this I I haven't told any lies to any of the players that I've tried to, to recruit. And again, I don't mind going on record saying it. Uh, that for for Farmington are definitely the the Kennen Fodders are seen as the Kenan Fodders in this league this year. And that's something that I understand. And trying to recruit some better players, they have to be mature. And they also have to embrace the challenge, which it very much is. Um, but Anne, we had a good relationship in America. And she decided to come across. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the best of her. And unfortunately, she obviously went home. Went home at a good time. Uh, it was sad for her, but obviously this this uh, virus unfortunately would have would have played havoc in it anyway. Um Magdalena, uh, uh a friend of mine in the coaching circles actually coaches in Iceland, and a guy called Chris and he had he'd had sort of recommended Magdalena uh to us um and she came across. So she actually came across as a trialist to be fair. Um but as what well, as as much as she done well, uh, I couldn't see her fitting into the system that I wanted to play. So, um, just a couple of weeks before the the virus birthday, we actually decided to to send her home, uh, which was a a decision on both parts. You know, me as a as a as a coach because she was a lovely girl, but in in the, in the grand scheme of things, if I want us to play this year, you know, she didn't fit into that system. But a cracking player. Technically, definitely. Uh, She's probably a wee bit homesick as well. and That obviously contributed to, to the decision to to send her home. But I guess that's football. And that's the sort of risks that you take um, when you're signing these players. And that was one player that I didn't really know. That was one that was sort of recommended to me. Billy and Lauren I know very well. Uh, it's actually a funny story. I actually coached with Billy at Cliftonville whenever they won the Irish Cup and the League Cup. Uh, for a brief period, uh, I got brought in when it was—I well, think—my visa was getting renewed for America. Um, and uh, Billy in, in the Northern Irish League, you know, everybody wants to sign her every year. Um, she's just a different type of player. She's a leader. She's strong. She's robust, you know. And and when Billy is fit, you know, I would like to see anybody go toe to toe with her because. She would definitely give them as as good as they got for sure. Uh and she was only starting to get fitter and fitter and she scored two cracking goals um against Motherwell. And you know, not just not just not just average goals. There were two cracking goals. One was a lob over the goalkeeper and one was from about twenty five yards out. Um so we haven't seen the best of her yet, but I know when we come back and she gets herself back up and running again, you know, Kenny our Northern Irish manager, you know, he has to be he has to definitely be looking at her because in my eyes she's she's definitely one of the strongest players that our country has has produced for sure. Um, Lauren, a great player, proven goal scorer, played played in a few different countries as well, uh played in Iceland, uh played in Northern Ireland, again international player. She was coming back from an injury, so she wasn't quite ready, but she was getting there. Um, so we've never seen the best of her uh yet. But again, once she's fit and I know she's working I've been in contact with her um while we've been home and she's been doing her rehab and she's been talking to Karen our our physio and stuff and she's she's working hard to get back. Um one player that we haven't mentioned is Jade Lindsay actually, who is ex is Northern Irish but lives in Scotland. Yep. Uh what a player what a player she is and she's a leader and you know, a, a, a former uh, international, but again, since she came into our squad, Chris, she's been she's been a true professional. She's oozed class and again it's another one that Kenny definitely has to look at in, in his next up and coming international against Belarus because again, she's comfortable on the ball, she's fast, she's fit, athletic, you know, she just she just oozes that wee bit of class, you know, and she's been she's been again, she's been superb for us and you know, I can't praise, I can't praise the players that we brought in enough, but with the players, especially at the club, you know, they've, they've worked hard and, you know, they're a good bunch of girls. And like I said, before we came on her, they don't get enough, they don't get enough praise for, for what they do. They work nine to five, you know, and some of them are coming from their work to train three nights a week. And, you know, we put the GPS and stuff on them. And after having a hard day and, you know the the efforts that they put in. You know it has to be it has to be commended because you know they're very passionate about their club.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's. Um, I think that's something that I think maybe all kind of footballers, um, particularly in the women's game. We're on a women's podcast, so let's let's big up a women's game. Um, sometimes goes under the radar a little bit if it's maybe not a club that's in the in the eye as much. Um, but you kind of touched on the kind of managing of the squad, so let's talk about it. We're obviously. Recording this during the the thing that shall not be named. Um, how how's it been so far in the kind of two three three weeks? I've lost all track of time already, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, like myself. How's it been in that in that time so far,
1: the girls have been brilliant, Chris. I, I, you know, I have to praise them when 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 praise is due. Um, we're all on on apps, uh, you know, and we've. We've devised fitness programs, we've devised core workouts, we've given them different tasks to do, you know, and, and make them very accountable of, of what they're doing. And while we're all sort of scattered around, you know, the apps that we're in obviously still keep us together. So whenever someone does a workout, you know, they post it on the app. Again, that motivates that next player, it motivates the next player and all of a sudden, within three or four hours, you know, you have—if you have a squad of twenty, you know, maybe sixteen of them are popping it on the on the app, saying, "Well, I recorded mine. I recorded mine." And then it becomes competitive because, you know, somebody will will complete their five k, and well, I'm the slowest actually, so I actually done it in thirty one. So I try and get it done first, and try and get it up onto the app first to be the pace setter. Uh, some of them actually have beat me to it. To be fair, uh, in the mornings. Um, but you know, I try and be the pace setter, and then that sort of gives them the the goal to try and beat it throughout the day. Then the next person will come up, try and beat it, try and beat it. So there's all different stuff that we've tried to do. I actually think now I wasn't on this. I try and keep myself away from the from the the personal of what they do in their different groups. But I think this house party app now is 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 is, is the latest no, thing to, I don't, all right. to take off. <laughs> I don't
0: know uh, app. I installed it and I've already kind of had enough of it <laughs> if I'm being honest.
1: yeah well I think I think there was a picture up on the app the other day was there was maybe 10 of them all in the app chatting to each other uh, and for me as a coach I love that you know because if we are to stay in this league that togetherness will will definitely contribute to that and um, you know I'm, I'm actually very proud of them if if I'm honest because it could be very easy just to say, Well, we've no football. Uh let's just, you know, take the foot off the gas, but they haven't. And and I hope it continues, you know, and if they listen to this, they'll probably be saying, Oh, you know, look at him. But, you know, I, I mean that. I am proud of them. And again, I'm sure all the rest of the coaches are in a are in similar similar uh, place and I'm sure they keep track of them probably just the same way as 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 I am. Is it um
0: easy enough to kind of customize for for the players, if you notice something, because I know you've mentioned obviously the GPS, is that something you still get at the moment?
1: The GPS one was obviously recorded when they're training. Uh, they don't they come on a on their on their training night and then they're assigned their their vests and, and we look at that. But not not since we've sort of scattered. Uh, to be fair, uh, we haven't used the vests um, again. Something that if finances had allowed it. You know, to have their own personal vest and they record stuff like that, and then that would be something that I would have definitely wanted. But unfortunately, uh, circumstances and finances don't let me don't let me do that. But again, that's where probably the bigger clubs have that advantage. You know, and they have full time, probably strength and conditioning coaches that can sort of keep on top of them and and stuff like it. Just before actually we 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 had we broke up there. Uh, we actually had a strength and con- conditioning coach in. Devising player specific programs to them. So if you were a full back, you got a specific program. If you were a centre back, you got a specific program. And that was only in the infancy, uh, which unfortunately never got to fruition. Two or three weeks later, you know, they all would have had those programmes, but unfortunately we just didn't get them over the line, I guess.
0: No, I mean, and that's an interesting insight in that regard as well, the fact that there is something in in that that place. I've got a question for you, Ryan, actually, and it's not one I, I kinda of prepped you with, so apologies for flying this <laughs> one at you. Um, but when when the season's come back, obviously, women's football is a little bit fortunate because of the way the season runs February to November means it's not really got going yet. So we don't have the same dilemmas that maybe is going on in the men's game at the moment in terms of what happens to finish a season. Um, as a coach, how much time would you want to have cleared back for before you kind of went back into competitive action?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Chris, to be fair. And we actually, I was actually on a Zoom uh, meeting with the respective coaches during the week. Just, just talking about what could happen or, you know, what's the alternatives. Um, you know, if, if someone turns around to us in two weeks and say, right, you're good to go, you know, I think it's crazy to just say, right, you're going to play on a Sunday, uh, given the amount of time off. I think you really need to go for another, whew, probably a shorter pre-season, I guess, especially if the players have been working in, by themselves, you know, so they're still reasonably fit. Um, and. You know, I guess some of the the managers in the league are all pretty sort of permanent in their in their in their um, in their jobs. Apart from Fran, myself, I don't think there's any is there any is there anybody else new? Um, don't think so. But so it's they're all the pretty. Goes,
0: yeah, in terms of new to Scotland, I think I think it's just the two of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you know they would be in a good way because obviously the players will know what their managers want, how they want them to play, you know, are, are, are used to them. Whereas myself and Fran, Fran probably has better uh, things at his disposal than me. But, you know, our minds will probably still be the same. Where still has to get to know the players, still trying to figure out who is, is be, what his best team is, what his formation he needs to play, all that sort of stuff, really, that general coaches ask themselves when they come into the new club I'm sure he's still working behind the scenes because I followed Fran in his career quite a lot Um, so uh, I know he'll be working behind the scenes very much so and I'm probably using it as an opportunity to recruit and and, and try and get his, uh, his stamp across and again it's something that I've yes I can still talk to my players but a coach only gets across his stuff on the pitch. I feel, uh, and again, all this modern technology, I love it, and it definitely has its advantages. But for me, a coach is the most productive on the pitch, and um, getting his balls out, and um, you know, working off what he he wants this team to play, and and stuff like that. So, you know, you can adapt and you can improvise as much as we can through apps, through video calls and stuff like that. But I don't think you get as much out of it as as being on the pitch with with your players. No, and see, to be
0: honest with you, as somebody who kind of covers a game and, and as a football fan in general, I, I feel the same way about actually just watching football. So you can watch it on the telly, you can watch old reruns, but actually going to a game is something I'll always pick over sitting in Wednesday night and maybe watching the Champions League I'll be at a random game instead so I know exactly what you mean, it's slightly different obviously perspectives but um, I, I, I totally agree with you in that, in that regard so, so I, I suppose probably to wrap this up Ryan, I, I think probably what I'd, I'd ask is also being a coach um, I know that some uh, some people listen to this podcast and maybe play the game, is there any kind of tips that you would kind of share from obviously without giving away any secrets behind Forfer Farmington but um, is there any kind of tips you would share to anybody who's kind of maybe try to keep up the, the momentum of their the training uh, through this period?
1: Yeah, I guess if, if, you have them, if you have the facilities at your disposal, you know, doing video analysis uh, from the previous games that, that they've played in, um, obviously keeping together on the apps, getting your programs done and, and putting them all, the app we've actually used is called H E J A. And again, I'm sure people have, have heard it. It's a great tool to have, um, you know, it adds everybody in. You can post everything you have on. It keeps everything together. It keeps everything professional where you're not worrying about people's phone numbers and uh, and stuff like that. People can see it. They can react to it. They can contribute. Uh, they can contribute to it, you know, and that's been the biggest and the, the best tool for me uh, at the minute. For me, you know, I'm watching the video or the, the games that we played against Motherwell trying to clip them and send them out to my players just for them to watch different scenarios that they were in uh, to see, you know, freeze shot them, still shot them, you know, and ask them what they could do better in that position in and out of possession, you know, in the transition, all those moments of the game, you know, and sometimes again, what what do they say? You know, some players, you know, can pick it up, you know, once it's explained, other people pick it up visually you know, other players need to 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 you know. You know, be talked about it and explained a wee bit more in depth. All that sort of stuff. Um, again, ex- excuse the sort of simple explanation of it. I'm sure there's more ex- explanative words, but uh, you know, trying to make it as simple as possible. But you know, that's that's the stuff for now. Um, you know, that any coach in this current climate. You know, it's is is probably restricted to, but you know, we have to be glass half full and use uh, use the downtime downtime well. Uh and, and that's how I'm spending my my time, I guess.
0: No, that's that's what great and I'm a simple man of simple pleasures, Ryan, so a <laughs> explanation is absolutely fine by me. Um I, thank you very much for coming on, it's really appreciated.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: Um, and, of course, if you liked uh, this podcast, then please tell other people about it. Like, share and subscribe. Uh, Google, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, they're all there. Uh, I usually forget when, so I probably have again. But, yeah, go listen to that. Um, and we'll be back again soon. But for now, thanks so much for listening.